Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Argentina, Mexico, Poland, and Saudi Arabia will lock horns later this year, looking to progress to the knockout rounds of the World Cup. And as we continue to preview the greatest sporting event on earth, I'm joined by my man, Michael LaHood, and two returning guests and friends of the show. My brother, Wieso Vasquez, host of the Mexican Soccer Show, and Peter Coates, the man behind Golazo Argentino, and a commentator for Paramount+. Plus. The Que Golazo Group C Deep Dive begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kigo Lasso. We are nearly there to 13,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you so much. Keep spreading the word. Like, subscribe, do your thing. Kigo Lasso Pod on Twitter, CBS Sports, and your CBS Sports app. As we continue the World Cup preview extravaganza, Michael LaHood, how are you, buddy? Uh, I'm having a great start to the week. Got my run in because of this show. Can't wait to get going. I love it. And I'm so happy to welcome these two. He's been doing it a lot with Jimmy Conrad and Heath Pierce. And I've been saying, you know what? Enough of this. I, I want him here talking to me about El Tri. We saw what's up, brother? How are you? Hola a todos. I'm so glad we're here. It's the beginning of these World Cup talks. It starts getting, you know, getting the goosebumps and you're there. You know, all the teams are set to go. I'm excited to talk to you guys about Mexico. And I'm excited to hear. What you guys think of Mexico, pretty much, because I'm a little lost here, but uh, we'll, we'll, let's go. <laughs> oh, we're definitely going to talk about it. It's going to be great. Good to have you, Wiso. It's been so good to see you on other platforms. Glad that you're part of the Que Golazo family once again. But, of course, we need some Argentina talk from the man that knows it all, Golazo Argentino. Peter Coates, you're looking good in that shirt, buddy. How are you? I thought it's a special occasion. You need to wear something special. So I came full 98 regalia. I'm here, excited. We're talking Argentina. We're talking the World Cup. I'm already feeling the excitement. So it's good to be here. I love it. I'm so happy for you, especially as a Peruvian. I'm very happy for you, he says sarcastically. I'm just kidding. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. It's Group C, Michael LaHood, Wiso Vasquez, Peter Coates, as we talk some Group C action. And as I mentioned, it's Argentina, Mexico, Poland, and Saudi Arabia, at first glance, you may think you have the two already getting out of this group, but I don't know. There may be a conversation that goes deep in, in this group in itself. In terms of the schedule, by the way, it all begins on the November 22nd on Tuesday as Argentina face Saudi Arabia, Mexico face Poland, and then, you know, Poland against Saudi Arabia, Argentina, Mexico, November 26th, by the way. Can't wait for that one in Poland, Argentina. And Mexico wraps things up with Saudi Arabia. That is your group C, everybody. So we're going to begin with Peter and Argentina. Because, you know, Peter, we, you know, as somebody that also covers the World Cup qualifiers in South America, uh, Copa America, you know, you can already see the development of this side under Lionel Scaloni. So all three of us, all four of us, uh, excuse me, can really agree to the fact that they are definitely, at this point, from an argumentative perspective, one of the favorites. I mean, they're looking very, very good. My first question, though, before we get into it, because Messi Dependencia maybe is no longer a thing, etc. Peter, my first question to you, though, is 
What is the Argentinian sentiment of this Argentinian side, specifically now as they destroyed Italy, Copa America champions, etc., and they're getting ready for the World Cup? What is Argentina feeling right now? I think it's a long time since you've seen a country this behind a team and feel this good about a team because it's been so long since Argentina have, have had this kind of unity. I mean, we're looking at a team that obviously have ended that long, long wait for a title by winning the Copa America uh, last year. That, I think, is a significant moment, not just for the, for the public opinion towards the team, but I think it's also a significant moment for the momentum and, and the feeling within the squad because otherwise, every time Argentina go into a major tournament, the thing that's brought up is the last time they won something was 1993. And it becomes this big thing. But as soon as they go out, oh, the drought continues. It goes on and on. This at least relieves some of that pressure. Obviously, it's different. You go to a World Cup and suddenly it's, it's all about the World Cup. The Copa America goes slightly to the background. But it's a big, significant step for Argentina that does relieve some of that pressure. And I think it's just helped really galvanize the public again as well behind the national team. And as I said, I've just not really felt this kind of positivity Within, when you look at the squad, when you look at this, the nation in general, when Argentina plays now, everyone wants to watch the team, whether it's a friendly, whether it's a qualifier. And it's just really building towards the World Cup. And, and hopefully it's not a disaster like we've seen in recent years. Uh, and, and hopefully they can continue to just build on that. Peter, from the start of Copa America, and this Argentinian team has really taken me by surprise with some of the names and the shift in names that we've seen from now compared to the past. But from the start of Copa America to present day and looking forward to the World Cup, who are some of the players that have really stepped up for this national team? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, the key thing, isn't it? Because Luis was talking there before everyone talked about the dependence on Messi. And when you look back to just four years ago for the last World Cup, it was an absolute disaster. And you looked at how Argentina got there. And without question, Messi dragged them there on his own. The qualification was a nightmare. It didn't look like they were even going to qualify at that point. And then as a result, the World Cup was a disaster as well. Now, four years on, we're looking at a team that go to a World Cup within that talk of possible favourites, which is astonishing. And it's because of that very reason why... There's other players now that have risen up and have become almost as important as Lionel Messi. You look through the spine of the team. Dibu Martinez has become the goalkeeper that Argentina needed for so long. Say it again. A... Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it like that. I knew it like that. No, we're talking about a goalkeeper now for Argentina who isn't just a good shot stopper because I think they had that before in Chiquito Romero, who was obviously yeah. a key member of the squad for a long time. But we're also talking about a character, I think. Um, someone, mm. again, when you talk about the relation with the Argentine public, has really caught the imagination. Everyone loves Diego Martinez. And he's become a real uh, a figurehead there at the back. Put in front of him, Cuti Romero. Argentina suddenly have a world-class elite-level centre-back who is able to bring the best out of the rest of the back four as well. I mean, you look at him playing alongside Nicolas Otamendi for a lot of the time. Otamendi was one of the people that people ridiculed previously and were saying his career is finished as an Argentina player. Now, alongside Romero, looks pretty solid. And then you move into the midfield, which for me was a big problem area for Argentina in terms of balancing things. And suddenly they have that balance and they have really important players, Leandro Paredes and particularly Rodrigo de Paul. Because those two, when you look at the Copa America win, 
were just as important as as Lionel Messi, really. I mean, I know Lionel Messi was the, the player of the tournament and we, we know Lionel Messi. We don't need to talk about how good Lionel Messi is and how important he is to any team he goes into. But suddenly they have these other players that are very, very important to the eleven. Angel Di Maria, another player that four years ago, most people would have said his time's up as an international player, suddenly is one of the key men. And then at the top, Lautaro Martinez. So there's now this core that goes through the team beyond Messi that is providing Argentina with this really solid and, and very, very dangerous 11, apart from Lionel Messi. Peter, we're hearing that this is, I mean, this is the World Cup everyone's looking for, right? I mean, even as outsiders, we see Messi. You're, you're saying, you're pinpointing all the great things that are happening. They finally won a title. The pressure is still there. Is there anything else that worries you as a fan, as someone that knows the team? What's one thing? Because everyone on the outside goes, this is it. This is it. You know, there's Brazil. Okay. There's these other great teams. But as a team, you know, what's that blemish? What's that worry that you go, if there's anything that's going to take us out or might not be a good World Cup, it's this. What is that? Well, I think we talk there about a number of players, but I still think Argentina are maybe one injury away. If you took mm-hmm. one of those players out, then you could say, okay, I'm, I'm curious to see how Argentina would, would cope in that situation. For example, if Dibu Martinez missed the World Cup, and suddenly at a late stage, Argentina were having to put in another goalkeeper. That would concern me. I think I would also be concerned if Romero missed an entire World Cup at centre-back. And again, talking about the midfield, I'd be really worried if Rodrigo de Paul wasn't available because he's someone who has a great relation with Messi. He brings the best out of Lionel Messi, who in turn brings the best out of him. He brings so much energy to the midfield. And yes, there are other good players around the squad that can come in, and we've seen that. But I don't think there are quite the same level as those I've just mentioned or how important they've become to Lionel Scaloni. And if they were to miss an entire tournament, I would have some doubts. And just to go back to also just historically, we are talking about this great run. We're talking about over 30 games unbeaten, but there's always that lingering doubt. Things can go wrong at a World Cup. About when, when you peak, it's all great going on a long unbeaten run, but everything needs to come right in Qatar, not now. Yeah. Um, and when you yeah. look back to previous World Cups, you look at 2002, for example, Marcelo Bielsa's team cruised through qualification. They went to a World Cup 18 games unbeaten with a squad full of amazing players. Everyone was thinking they're going to be one of the favourites and they went out in the group stage. So there's just always got to be that caution there. We can be all happy about being unbeaten for this long, beating Italy, winning the Copa America. It doesn't really count for anything until the World Cup starts. It's crazy to see that your your bench is what worries you. When I look at your bench, <laughs> I'll take any of those players that are there and, and see that that's it. So it's it's good to hear from that. Yeah, yeah. When I when I really look at this team, what I love what you said about players stepping up, key players. I think two of the most important players, and you named them, Latoro Martinez. What he's done in Syria is now translating to the national team and his rise in stardom, his rise in goals didn't just start at Copa America. It really started with his relationship with Romelu Lukaku last year for Inter, getting that title winning experience. And when you watch Argentina play, a lot of strikers of old, Gonzalo Higuain, Carlos Tevez, there was almost a do not enter this space that they're typically used to entering for their club teams. And that's a space that Messi occupies underneath the striker. When I saw the match against Italy, 
Martinez was dropping in, holding the ball up. What that does, it draws two center backs out of the back line and into midfield, and now gaps start opening up for one Lionel Messi, for Angel Di Maria, for Lo Celso, other players to exploit. And there's there's just more balance and attack to this team rather than the Harlem Globetrotter standpoint of give Messi the ball and hope he does something special. And the, the more they can just grow in that facet, the more, I guess, a higher chance they have you know, when it comes to the World Cup. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there with Lautaro Martinez. He's been one of the key players for Scaloni pre-Copa America, but it goes way beyond just being the goal scorer in the team. He scored a lot of goals under Scaloni, but I think that's where you put him above for the national team, what I certainly do when you, when you look at so many great strikers Argentina have had in recent history, but Lautaro Martinez is right up maybe beyond many, many of them because of the fact that he provides so much more to the team. Mm. And we've talked for years about the difficulty of playing with Lionel Messi. He's the best player in the world, but some players struggle to fit in alongside him. Lautaro Martinez has never had that problem. And as you say, he drops off, he interchanges. And when he drops deep, Argentina have the runners that go beyond him. And obviously we saw at the Copa America with Di Maria's goal in the final was a perfect example of that. That It was Di Maria being the forward runner in behind the Brazil defence and applying the finishing touch. So he's provided a perfect balance to that attack. Peter, is this uh, Messi's last World Cup? Is it World Cup or bust for Argentina with him? <laughs> You'd probably think so. But, I mean, you never know with Lionel Messi because we're seeing him now play a little bit deeper for PSG. We're seeing him play into the midfield and more being the chance creator. Will he want to extend his career much longer playing that kind of role? Because he certainly has the passing ability to do it. I mean... After Russia, we probably asked the same question. Is that going to be the end for Lionel Messi? Because he's hinted at retirement before. It was a disaster. He could have easily said, I've tried everything. Argentina aren't going to win a title with me and the team, so I'm gone. Luckily for Argentina, he stayed with them. And the four years have been great post-Russia. So who knows what comes after Qatar? Obviously, from an Argentinian perspective, it would be great if Lionel Messi finally gets his hands on a World Cup. Well, I think the fact that he has recuperated from COVID has made me look at him as such. He looks happy. He looks fresh. And when we go back to that Messi dependencia statement, these players now no longer shine because of Messi. They shine with him. And to me, that's a massive, massive factor with Argentina. I have two issues with Argentina, and that's why I don't have him as my favorite. I have him as uh, one of my favorites, 100%. One is what you just said, Peter, about the Bielsa team of the 2002, because they were so sexy leading up to that World Cup. And then they go to the World Cup and, you know, things go different. So there's a key thing when it comes to the World Cup and momentum, right? You want to peak literally right before you hit that tournament. Obviously, it's harder in this one because the World Cup's in November. It's not like the end of the season you get to train and then the World Cup. Now you have to like do the beginning of a season, stop, and then go to the World Cup. So that and also Scaloni has never managed in a World Cup. I don't know how much of that worries me. Having said all that, you know, you began with the depth of Argentina, and that's really something that should worry everybody, including our next nation. Mexico. I have so much love for El Tri. My sister lives in Mexico City. I just I love this country so much. And I love how sort of telenovela it is. We saw Vasquez every (laughs) single week. There's something going on. It doesn't even matter if it's Tata Martino or not. So let me ask you the first thing, which is kind of what I asked uh, Peter first. 
Uh, I'll ask it as what the same to you from a Mexican perspective. What's going on right now? Like the Tata Martino sentiment regarding these months leading up to the World Cup. Well, I mean, you're saying that the telenovela qualifying in Mexico, it's always this plethora of problems. You've seen it, you know, almost out of the World Cup. We're needing a goal from other countries to come in. It's always a mess. Mexico winning a, uh, a qualifiers or doing well in the qualifiers doesn't exist. So we're in the same p space as every four years we've gone by since who can remember, except for the last one with Juan Carlos Osorio. But... The difference with this one is, is that I don't think there's anybody, fans, media, even people looking in that's going, oh, man, we're happy. We're happy mm. because there's some at least some type of program that's leading up to a great game. We've seen flashes of greatness where we can applaud. We've seen a couple of bad games, but there's some good games. That's not happening with Mexico. Although mm. they got the same points in qualifying as Canada, right? We're seeing that there hasn't been anything we can applaud, oh. even in games where you're supposed to win. Even in games in Nations League where it's supposed to be a country that, you know, it's the 150th nation in the in World Cup qualifying. Yeah. Even in games at home where you're supposed to have home field advantage. And the mythical Azteca, who just got named for a third World Cup, is a place where Mexico doesn't get points. In fact, Mexico got more, almost more points away than points at home. So everyone's fear of Mexico is in mm. there. But there's a little hope in there is that Mexico somehow turns it all around when it comes to World Cups. And teams, bigger teams are going, that's not going to be an easy win. Brazil's always said, we're the piedrita. We're that little rock in the shoe where it's just like, <laughs> it hurts every time we step on there. And that's the hope that fans have because hope for Tata Martino, who has still experimenting to this day, kind of keeps us a little bit scared. And the best thing that Mexico has right now and even though people don't like it, is that the World Cup is not in June. Because yeah. if it would have started mm. right now, mm. I can tell you we're not ready for any of the teams that are coming. But now looking for some months again, now these players that are going to get that time to play in their clubs. And hopefully, hopefully we have that great rhythm. And it's going to be a World Cup with a lot of players have amazing rhythm, which we haven't seen before. That's a little glimmer of hope. Mm, the, uh, former mentor of mine and the preface of this is I was playing on a very bad team at the time. We'll leave the team name out of it. He said about hope, he says, you know what, kid, it's the hope that kills you for this Mexican national team. Let's let's backtrack and look at where they're at. It sounds like there's almost this cri sense of crisis going on. Let's not be confused. Twenty eight points in the midst of a crisis period. The expectation is what I've always struggled when I look at this team. Realistic expectation versus just inflated expectation. Looking as, as someone who covers this national team, what is your realistic expectation for this team going to the World Cup? The realistic expectation is getting out of the group. I, you're looking at the, if the players are going to play the way that they're playing, we have good players. We're, we're not looking at semifinals and finals. I think everyone knows that, right? Getting out of group is, a, is at least the first expectation because you have the players that are playing in Europe when they gel together. If they played, they're flashing, they're playing Champions League, they're playing in good teams. It's just that some of them coming to the national team and not playing well. Could that be the coach? Could that be way too many games because Mexico plays way more games than any other national team? Is it tiresome? Is it COVID? Is it backlash? But what I'm saying is expectation is there. Looking at what we have, we're lucky to be in a group. Yes, we have Argentina. And then it's a, it's a toss-up. You know, you have Poland, and we'll talk about that right now, where they're having some issues too. We have Saudi Arabia, who could be a home field advantage team. It's a toss-up, but it can be done. It's not like a group of death. We're out of it, and there's no hope. 
the expectation is there with the players that we do have, the quality that's there, and the experience. We all have a lot of experience going into there because Tata wants those experienced players. Yeah, expectations is getting out of the group. Then we then we look ahead and we know what happens with Mexico. <laughs> yeah, Wizzo, I wanted to ask you when you look at those matchups in the group. Obviously, Argentina Mexico brings back some great memories. Maybe not so many great memories. No, no, for no, you. <laughs> <laughs> but when you think back to Maxi Rodriguez's goal, for example. Um, one of the best goals, one of the best moments in World Cup history, certainly recent history anyway. But what do you think of from a Mexican perspective of that matchup uh, between Argentina and the group? Well, one, we've known that it is the most requested match in, 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 in the World Cup as far as ticketing. I mean, millions and millions of applications. Everyone's looking at that match for some reason because of the, the two fan bases that are going to be there. Um, what I'm looking at that Argentina is competing is the fact that in World Cups, Every team, no matter if it's Germany, France, uh, Holland, any World Cup team, bound team, Mexico always does well, except Argentina. There is just something there that when Mexico faces, you know, even if it's not the best Argentina, it's that's, all, that's why we only have one maybe win in the last 20 years on an official game with a bunch of friendly losses. Uh, I think everyone's already looking at there the caliber. There's something there. You've seen it all over the world, right? You can win all World Cups, but there's a team, if it's Brazil, France, that it's always really hard or they have your number, right? I think that's how Mexico sees Argentina. I mean, unless something horribly goes wrong with Argentina and there's something that we have a hope, I think we're going to compete. I think the first few minutes are going to be key. We've seen amazing, one of the best games in 2006 was that Mexico-Argentina yep. into extra time. I mean, the pressure, everyone, I, I think people vote it's one of the best matches in the World Cup before, just how great it was played. So we're expecting that. But at the same time, looking at our defense, looking at the power that, you, that Argentina has and the bench, it's going to be hard. So we're kind of already looking at that second. And it's okay to think that way because we know what we have. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing about the World Cup. You never know what might happen, specifically in these kind of situations. Before we move on and we take a break, we saw I do want to talk about the elephant in the room. What is going on with Chicharito? Ah. What is going on there? What is the latest? Because I listen, I've been looking at obviously, aside from everything that we cover here at CBS Sports, obviously, I pay a much closer attention to Mexico. Yes, USMNT. I prefer Mexico when it comes to the qualifiers. <laughs> all right. I've said it. All right. It. But the one thing, hey, I'm, I'm not born in this country. I can say whatever I want. Peruvians <laughs> can cause drama anytime. But listen, let me ask you something. We saw the Mexican national team, for me, have a lot of pluses that almost always need that sort of vital factor inside the box. Raul Jimenez, uh, sadly, mm. ever since his injury, is not the same player. He no. just isn't. Sometimes, and then you, when you were talking about experience, specifically in players that know what it's like to play in these big comps, I want to know what the latest is with Chicharito and his relationship with Tata Martino and the possibility of him, of course, returning to the national team. Obviously, no Chicharito. The most goals in any any player in the national team has three goals in the World Cup. Is doing well with LA Galaxy and scoring goals. And here's a need of Mexico now playing. Why isn't it? Everyone comes back to it. There is issues there with some discipline issues that happened a couple of years ago, where you know the, both the coach and the player were like, "Well, if you know we can't come to terms," and 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 Chicharito has always had this. Well, if you call me, I'm here. But we know mm. that there's something going on in the background. And uh, Tata Martino said, "You know what? I've called the players that need to be there." Right. Until about a month ago, when both of the both of of, of the player and Tata said. We're speaking. We're talking. And if how desperate Mexico is, now there's already been a meeting by his via Zoom. Might, might be a got to go to L.A. to talk. I think from up top, the federation and the suits are saying, hey, 
we need to get this resolved because if Chicharito is scoring, come on. Um, so there's again, you give us Mike that there is hope. I think there's there's nobody that, that can say we don't need Chicharito. Everyone sees a player yeah. like who he is, the goal mm-hmm. poacher, creates plays, scores in, has that knack, has the experience, has the most goals in the World Cup, and is in a good form. Why not have him? Everyone's thinking that uh, if they're coming together in the next month, and that's how desperate we are. There, you know, there's a few <laughs> friendlies that are going to come in. Hopefully, we can see Chicharito CH14 in that World Cup. But it all have to do with that meeting. Yeah. So I got to report back on it. We don't know <laughs> it's all down to that meeting. Go ahead. Uh, down to that meeting. We, we, so uh, were you ever a fan of shows in the 90s, like Boy Meets World, Saved by the Bell? I, I feel like we're having one of those moments where Zach breaks <laughs> up with Kelly. Kelly doesn't know. Zach's waiting on the phone from a call. Come on. Just this get it. is football. We're talking. This, this, this is telenovela stuff. But you know how I mean, Guatemala didn't go to the World Cup in two thousand. Oh. You know, in two thousand teams because of coaches. Peter, I mean, you would have seen a Blanco in that game yeah. in that two thousand. Well, it's going to be different. Coaches want to have who's around, and maybe it could be something with players too. You never know. Well, yeah, listen. Uh, I also uh, want to just remind Michael uh, oh, on yes. behalf of Wiso and myself and Peter as well as an adopted Latino that welcome to Latin America, sir. Like, you know, <laughs> there's so much more that happens just outside the game. I think the most important thing for this Mexican national team is to A, sort of shake off that dustiness leading up to November and also bring in somebody like Chicharito who can hopefully help them. But if they're talking already, Wiso, and you're going to update us, obviously, as we move along, hopefully that will happen. Final question, Wiso Vasquez. They get out of this group, yes? <laughs> yes. I'm going to go yes. They're going to get the, mm. the hope is there, Mike. They're going to get out. They'll be out. They'll play well. That that polling game's first. They get out, and then we'll see what happens with France. All right. We will see. But we're going to take a break. Um, we, uh, we're we all going to take our neutral hats after this because Poland is next and then Saudi Arabia. And then we will assess fully Group C and who really will get out of this group. Kego Lasso, Group C, World Cup preview. Look ahead. Michael LaHood, Wiso Vasquez and Peter Coates will be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Kego Lasso, Group C, World Cup. We've talked Argentina. We've talked Mexico. Let's talk about Poland. Straight away, Michael LaHood. All right. And I'm not even going to mention Matty Cash. Uh, is this more <laughs> than just Robert Lewandowski? Because at this point, you know, I'm looking at their fixture list from what they did in the Nations League. Of course, they lost uh, just a one nothing to Belgium. And then they got killed again mm-hmm. against Belgium as well. I don't know who this Polish side is leading up to this World Cup. Robert Lewandowski, we're hearing, you know, closer reports of uh, him getting nearer to Barcelona. We'll see how that evolves. But is this Polish side, Michael Lude, more than just Robert Lewandowski? I think their problems are more than just Lewandowski when it comes to playing against big teams. Really, they don't know what their identity is. Do they play with two strikers? I think of the partnership between he and Adam Buxa, who just made a a move to Ligue 1 with Lance. Do they play with one striker? Do they play with a 4-5-1? Do they play this new diamond formation? They're trying all these things out to, to really find their identity. And it's a bit of an identity crisis formation-wise. But they do have a bit of hope. I think of Zelinski, who plays for Napoli. There's good young players. Swiderski, who made a move to Charlotte FC in Major League Soccer. He's a mm-hmm. young player. He scored the winner against Wales. Youth, I think, is what's going to get them through this group stages is the coming of age of these young players. Yeah, Mike, I mean, Luis just mentioned there the, the defeat by Belgium, the heavy defeat, another one of those potential favourites of the World Cup. How do you think that affects the team mentally going forward? 
when they're coming up against, say, Argentina in the group, another one of the favourites, does that play on the mind and say, well, we came up against one of the big teams, we were very badly beaten. Are we quite at that level to be able to really compete? Not to say that Poland think they're going to go and win a World Cup, but really be competitive against the top nations. Great question. Uh, really, take the Belgium game, just that 6-1, put it in a bottle and ship it back to Krakow mm-hmm. because they were playing against an angry Kevin De Bruyne. And when Kevin De Bruyne gets angry, you have no hope. He takes souls for a living when he's pissed. When that, that red hair Even gets on De Bruyne, on fire. who wanted no part in this Nations League as well. No, that, 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 that's why he was pissed. <laughs> and they, they, Poland met the wrath of KDB. I look more to how they responded against the Netherlands. 2-2 draw away in Holland, and they played well. They frustrated the Netherlands at times, and the Netherlands are very good at home. And some of their role players stepped up, getting goals. And Lewandowski looked. I think the personal issues with getting his move out of Bayern, is he going to end up finally at FC Barcelona or somewhere else outside of Bavaria? I think that's playing on him a bit. And you know, you want your striker, you want your talisman, to not have the weight of his world on his shoulders. He already has that sort of feeling when it comes to the national team, but I wouldn't read too much into just the recent results. Now, if this happens in September, they're in big trouble. There's also the emergence of Christoph Piatek as well, like the backup mm-hmm. to Lewandowski as well. He He's doing essentially okay with Fiorentina as well. We So how do you see this Polish side, specifically outside of the Lewandowskis, etc.? I mean, the Nations League in June after a long mm-hmm. season, you can't take too much from that. The Polish kind of have the experience, both from a European and World Cup perspective, but are they good enough, if you remove your Mexican hat for a second, are they <laughs> good enough to get out of this group? I have my two Mexican hats right here. It's removed. All right. All right. Listen, listen. This match, Mexico-Poland in this group, mm. is going to be a key match to look at who gets out of the group. Let's just get it out, right? Although, with respect to Saudi Arabia, I'm going to give you – I'm going to put my Mexican hat back on and tell you how to beat Mexico-Poland, right? <laughs> fast, play fast, aggressive, and have some type of system in place. That's how you're going to beat Mexico, right? And if the team that wants it more in this match is going to get that. And if we're looking at Poland, right? So take shake it off that 6-1. If you're coming in together with the European, that quickness, that aggressiveness, right, and is not afraid to win this game, they can beat Mexico. But that's that's who Mexico fears the most, teams that yeah. don't have some type of system and that can, you know, Mexico play the – they will take it away from you. But you bring that aggressiveness and Poland's in. So, it's, so my question to you, Mike, is do you see that in the team, aside from that, do you see that fastness? Mm. Do you see that aggressiveness that's coming in, that European style, right, that it doesn't matter? Lots of yellow cards maybe in that Polish game. Do you <laughs> see that team now? And it can, and it's going to be – and we look forward to seeing that team in the World Cup. When we talk about aggression, a player who is the epitome of gr- aggression for this Polish national team is Krakowiak. I, I loved how he played at Sevilla, but that, that was like a decade ago. He's getting old, and his legs are, are really showing it, and he continues to be a mainstay in that midfield. Get him out of there. He'll, he'll be a starter, and the loyalty for what he's done for his country is something, especially in Central Europe, that's a, a big thing. When you talk about how Mexico and Poland match up, the Mexican national team, they have really fond memories going up against Central European teams, a one team from Germany. Shock heard around the world. So Mexico will be feeling confident because Central European teams, it's all about the system. You know, mm-hmm. it's rank and file. Everything's orderly. For for Poland to get after a Mexican national team, to get after the Argentinas, which is going to be a tall order, I think you're really going to have to rely on youth. Young players, when they get to World Cups, we've seen it in CONCACAF, young players, when they get to World Cup, 
they have no fear. They play fiercely. They 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 have a point to prove. So some of your younger players, your debutants, could be stars in the making for this Polish team. Yeah, yeah protect that left side, uh, Mexico, because here comes Matty Cash with his beautiful running and crossing. <laughs> but, hey, and if you're looking at the teams that beat Mexico, are young are young teams. Mm, Gold yeah. Cups in CONCACAF. They're young yeah. teams. Canada. You know, you have players that mm, are they're coming in. Point. So it's it, you're, that's that's that game is going to be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. And you mentioned the aggression side of things there. All right, let's uh, move on and wrap things up with uh, something we said earlier about that, uh, you know, local advantage, Saudi Arabia, by the way. Saudi Arabia, who are, you know, they're no strangers to the World Cup, qualified for the sixth time. By the way, they breeze through qualifying, of course. Uh, most of their players play locally as well. Uh, Salem Al-Dazari and Saleh Al-Sahri scored seven apiece in the World Cup qualifiers. They are going to play the USMNT in a friendly in September as well, Michael Lahoud, so it should be interesting Regarding that, their manager, very mm. experienced, uh, led Morocco to the World Cup qualifiers to the World Cup. I'm sorry, in 2018, uh, a lot of us were very excited about the way that Morocco played. By the way, in that World Cup, so uh, Hever Renard is the man who also qualified uh, Morocco for that World Cup, and they also he also won Africa Cup of Nations with Zambia uh, and the Ivory Coast. So there's a lot of experience here, but I think the neutral. Right, Peter, will probably say that Saudi Arabia is definitely the least favorite to get out of this group. Can they cause a shock, even with the fact that the World Cup is in the Middle East? Yeah, I mean, certainly that's going to be a, a helping hand for them, being close to home, as Wiesel said earlier. But you do look at the group and think they're, they're really up against it. I think when you look at starting things off against Argentina as well, it, it's probably the worst way to start because it's probably a game which you look at and think, if they come up there with, with a defeat, depending on what happens in the other game, which we've already said is probably the key game when you're looking at who could follow Argentina out of the group, then they're already there going to be playing catch-up, which could be difficult. And I think there's also a, a degree, certainly from outside uh, of the region, we never quite know what to expect from mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia because you know we don't get to see a huge amount of football played in that region in the qualifying. Um, so there's that kind of, well, they, they got through very comfortably, but what does that really mean? What was the opposition? I mean, we even see yeah. that asked of Argentina. I mean, mm. we saw recently comments from Kylian Mbappe talking about Argentina, saying, well, Argentina and Brazil had it kind of easy to come to the World Cup. Well, you can kind of maybe say the same thing about Saudi Arabia. And in that sense, you kind of say, well, where are they when you're comparing them against teams from other parts of the world? And we're going to find that out. We're going to find out very quickly when they go straight in against Argentina. But I think it might leave them then with really playing catch-up, and it could be difficult in that. Yeah, Saudi Arabia, by the way, to your point, Peter, in the qualifiers, they did come top over the likes of Japan and uh, Australia, yeah. a team that I won't talk about anymore. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we saw jump in on Saudi Arabia very quick. Yeah, what, I mean, what really thought? quick. I mean, when you're looking at who they are, I was trying to, you know, do some research, and, uh, yeah, you, I think they lost against Colombia and Venezuela in those friendlies, right. and, you know, yep. now we're seeing what... But, again, they came atop of Australia, who... Who okay? Look what they've shown. They're in the World Cup. Japan. Who Japan's always a tough team. So it's a good team, Japan. Yeah. With anybody that says okay, well Saudi Arabia's out, I, I get you can Argentina. You can say that. Uh, <laughs> aside from you're looking at Poland and Mexico, you know it's not going to be a, an easy team, especially with the with with the audience that's going to be there. Uh, again, it just goes to what type of team kind of shows up. The experience. I'm looking at this World Cup again. I'm a little scared of the rhythm because this is the World Cup where players are going to have the most rhythm. Mm. And it's usually because the that region does not have, uh, you know, they, they end their season and then they have a month 
They, they don't get a lot of, of friendlies. You know, if you're looking at it, look at who, who the friendlies they have. These are teams that are not in the World Cup because, you know, the, the people up top try to friend, that play each other. But these players are going to come in with rhythm. And you have rhythm. They're not traveling far. And travel is key. Travel is key when it comes mm. to the World Cup. Yep. Where they're at, their culture, their friends, family, everything, uh, uh, accommodations. So it's not going to be a tough team. Uh, we shouldn't write them off. But, right, again, I love what Peter said. We don't know what this team has. Mm, when, when I think about this team, it's really dependent on their coach, Herb Renard. I actually played against his Cote d'Ivoire team the year before they won AFCON. So what you what you make of them? What, Cote d'Ivoire? Yeah. Well, that year, they were vulnerable. And the year Is that they when you not make Yaya Toure, Michael. Yeah, that 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 was that was the match. That was actually the match. Is this, is this the only reason why you brought it up, Michael? Well, yeah, you got someone's got to. By the way, Michael, Hood, a very a very good reason to bring it up anytime. By the way. Yeah. No, Des Norris. Des Norris wants to ask how tight his shirt was. Uh, by the way. Well, I could tell you how long his shorts were. He looked like Shaq on the field because I was trying to grapple his shorts to try and tackle. But I make that point with. Because of how just the expectation, the rise in expectation for that Cote d'Ivoire team and the Morocco team, Renard, the teams that have been successful, the Zambia teams, the Cote d'Ivoire team in 2015, the expectations were lowered for them because of how miserable they were and right. how they didn't how they didn't deliver in 2010 yeah. at the World Cup. He's been successful with teams that aren't as expansive. For this Saudi Arabia team, yes, they play beautiful stuff. His Morocco team play beautiful stuff. Cote d'Ivoire, they have just riches of talent, golden generation at the time. But his most successful teams are counterattacking teams. If he can get the Saudi Arabia team to have a plan B when they go up against the big teams in their group to just wait and then leave it for their two stars to then maybe sneak a goal, 1-0 is as good as 6-0 in the World Cup. A win is a win is a win is a win. And also getting points. Can you take points away from some of these bigger bigger teams and become that that secretive dark horse in the group? But counterattacking, staying compact, frustrating the Argentinas, and in particular, you're going to get your points against Mexico and Poland because there's question marks over these two teams. Yeah, and Renato, by the way, knows what, what it's like to manage, uh, to your point, in all these big situations. All right, well, this has been a fantastic preview of the World Cup of Group C. We saw Vasquez, Peter Coates, and, of course, Michael LaHood. Before we go, I dare ask them uh, their final group standings in this one. Who wins it? Who gets out as runner-up? Peter Coates is pretty easy, isn't it? Uh, Argentina wins yeah, this, surely, Peter. right? Yeah, I have, to, I have to say that. Argentina win it, but on a personal, I have a, a lot of fondness for Mexico from time spent in DFA. So I'm going to go with Mexico as second. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, Poland and probably we'll, third, but those two, three. And then we'll see what happens, right? Argentina wins it, Mexico too. I'm going to not even shock you anymore. I completely agree. We saw, I think, Argentina, Mexico, and that all. What, what are you making there? Are you agreeing? Surely, surely, yeah, 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 this yeah. is it, right? Mexico's yeah, not winning we're, this we're group. Win the group. There's got to be something. If we win the group, we beat Argentina, but then we don't get out of the group. Like, that's, that's what <laughs> <laughs> that, That's what it'll be. It's what happened, Mexico and Germany. Ah, we're good, we're good. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to say Argentina, Argentina, Mexico, but not because I'm putting my hat on, but because Mexico has a little bit slight advantage over Poland. Uh, they mm. play Saudi Arabia last, which means that after mm. all those goals, yeah. if, if Argentina does this and Poland does it, Saudi Arabia will be deflated if they're out. And that's the advantage that Mexico can get the most goals. I'm looking at that Poland game. That's a tie yeah. with, a, with, with, a, mm. with a loss against Argentina. Then the three points against Saudi Arabia with a lot of goals. That goal differential is going to be key. And I'm looking at that Poland and Argentina match when Argentina is going to try to get in and qualify in that second match. It all looks for it. 
I that's the slight advantage I'm giving it with respect to Lewandowski, with respect to European Polish players, but I feel like Mexico gets out. I think uh, the rhythm here, uh, the theme here in this uh, episode is that uh, Poland is going to play a big uh, archetypal character in this whole group, depending how you do against Poland kind of leads mm -hmm. to win many ways. Michael, how do you see it then? Argentina wins it, surely. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're just too good, and they're in the rhythm of their lives right now, all these players. So that's a foregone conclusion, top of the group. So and who's second, second place? Yeah. No, I, I, it's not even about football. For me, yes, the schedules. I, I'm going to go back to my Saved by the Bell connection. Oh, boy. <laughs> Zach Morris, oh boy. Kelly Kapowski. What season? The fact that is it, is it the later I, seasons when it's no, not as good? because The middle ones when it was really, really good, when you don't know who's going to fall in love with who next. Okay. But I think the yeah, fact that yeah. Zach Morris, Tata Martino, and Kelly Kapowski, Chicharito Hernandez, are on the phone again, twirling the cord, talking. Come on. It's a romance made to be. Bring Chicha back. If, if Javier Chicharito Hernandez makes this Mexican national team for the World Cup, then just put him in at second place. And for Poland, there's just a bit of identity crisis to, that still needs to be sifted out. But their schedule in this group, as you said, Wieso, works against them rather than helps them. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, don't forget, Zach and Kelly ended up getting married in the college years as well. So so, so there's something that to be said for a positive ending. I'm also going with Argentina, Mexico. I'm sorry, Matty Cash. I think I agree with everybody here. This has been an absolutely fantastic episode. Michael LaHood, Wiso Vasquez, and Peter Coates. Before we say goodbye, we always end it with final thoughts. And it can be about anything. It can be anything that you want. It doesn't even have to be about Group C. So, Michael LaHood, you begin. Set us off. Final thoughts, my friend. Wow. Big thing that happened last week. The Premier League season, the fixtures are out. Cannot wait for the Premier League to kick off. New signings galore coming in. Of course, not going to mention Manchester United. Oops, I did. <laughs> ignore their schedule but the Premier League is back cannot wait for the Premier League I know uh, August 6th is that date of course so it should be here around the corner we saw final thoughts buddy final thoughts is we saw you know these qualified games get to the World Cup last two teams come in I'm sorry Luis but why are we having the World Cup again I thought it was because it's too hot and we yeah. have to have it in Thank December you, because Preach. I'm in Phoenix and it's hotter than it is over there in Qatar um, it's going to be a cold I was just there about uh, a couple months ago in Qatar it was mm. cold It was cold. Bring your bring your sweaters. Bring your shirts. December is gonna get cold. I'm just throwing it out there. Oh, get that jacket, guy. Get those jackets. The woolly hats, guy. Absolutely. We so fantastic. Peter, final thoughts. Make it Argentinian, buddy. Julian Alvarez. I'm excited to see him in the Premier League. You don't have to talk about that. I just wanted to yeah, mention. No. It. Well, I am excited about seeing that. I am very excited to see that, and really hope that Manchester City make the most of his talents. But of course, we're talking about competitions starting soon. Michael talking there about the Premier League. Comeball Libertadores, knockout phases mm. start in less than two weeks. Some big games there. I'm very excited to see how that pans out over the next few months. Will Palmeiras make it three Libertadores titles in a row? It's astonishing Ooh. if they do. Unbelievable. In two weeks as well. Uh, our beautiful game never stops. And neither do these fine folks. Golazo Argentinos. Peter Codes and of course Total Mexico Show. We saw Vasquez, Mike LaHood as well. Thank you so much, everybody, for being part of the family. Kegolasso part on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. Nearly to 13,000 subscribers. Our World Cup edition episodes continue as we go for more groups and so much more content. Thank you, everybody. Have a fantastic rest of your week, and we will see you next time. Till then, bye bye.